0: hoping that I've given them a direction in Judaism and a direction of their connection to Israel and their connection to their peers and their love of being a Jew more than they had in ninth grade when you mm-hmm. get them in college. So the, the advantage of college is that they get to make a lot more of their independent decisions, but yep. right? they could decide to go
1: to Israel on a whim. The following is a conversation with Rabbi Yitz Yitz was born in Paramus, New Jersey, and for over 13 years served in senior roles, including as the Director of Greater Philadelphia and the Director of Regional Projects for NCSY, the National Congregation of Synagogue Youth. He also used to lead youth trips to Israel in the summer, and has recently moved on to a new path working in real estate construction and development. Here's his story. Rabbi Levi, it's a a sight for sore eyes. Haven't seen you in a while, my man. How's, How's life treating you?
0: Life is treating me well. It has been quite a while. I'm trying to think how long it's been. Actually, I was trying to go uh, back I, in time.
1: When did you graduate? So, That's the, the question. <laughs> I graduated 2017, but I think we we hung out at Judah and like uh, in That's kind of true. later that year. So I think it's been what is it 2023? Almost six years since we've seen each other in person or virtually. In in real,
0: yeah, definitely hanging out for sure.
1: Yeah, but i uh, really excited Thank and happy know. that you took a chance to be the guest on the podcast. Uh, you know, we're going to have a great conversation and a great time, and it's always great catching up uh, with an old friend, or mostly friend, you know, we'll get into those, those shenanigans a little friend, bit later, mentor, too. mentor, rabbi. Um, you can call
0: me whatever you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, there should be an answer. There should be, like, an answer, Eve, for, like, all the options above. It's, like, for all of the above, and there's, you, exactly. you can't just list five options, because there's a million in there, but that's <laughs> that's a whole podcast episode in itself, but... Essentially for those that don't know Rabbi Levy, and I'm assuming a lot of people are probably gonna watch this, that are a lot of my peers and a lot of us that went to NCSY or grew up going to, you know, the weekend getaways and Shabbatons. But for those that don't know Rabbi Levy, he's been a voice in the Jewish for Jewish youth at NCSY for many years now. Uh recently he left yeah. to kind of pursue something else, but uh he's been done a great job growing kind of young Jewish youth in the Philadelphia area and a lot of really fun stuff to get into and he's also got a really exciting journey, but Rabbi, just to start out with, uh, I forgot if I asked you this before in person, but where'd you end up growing up?
0: I grew up in Paramus, New Jersey. It's right over, like the George Washington Bridge, Teaneck, Englewood. Um, you know, I grew up in in Paramus. Spent a lot of time in like Manhattan for school.
1: Got it. So Paramus is North Jersey, right?
0: North Jersey, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, interesting. Working did you go Council. to? Did you go to religious school in Manhattan, or kind of just my orthodox
0: I, or? I went to a religious school. Um, I'm actually. Um, german descent called yeah if you look it up it means it means short coat actually what Yekish means um but there was a school that my family my parents went there you know my father went there when he was younger my my older siblings that's actually where i was born i was born in washington heights and then Mm -hmm. we moved to premise when i was one
1: got it washington heights is just kind of north of manhattan really probably close to the bronx area so really interesting to hear about that Was the Jewish school you went to, was it an overnight school or is it just a day school? I know there's a bit of a different vibe depending (laughs) on the yeshiva that you go to. So middle school,
0: elementary, middle school um, was definitely I commuted. It was about a 45 minute drive, you know, on a school bus every day. And then um, when we got to high school, ninth and 10th grade, I was was commuting. And then 11th and 12th grade, they actually opened up a dorm. um, And I dormed with about uh, 15 other guys
1: uh, for 11th and 12th grade. How is it living in a dorm or going to overnight school at yeshiva?
0: Um, it's great. Uh, you know, there there's obviously, especially when you're used to commuting every day, it's nice to not have to commute every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, you walk like five minutes and you're back in your wherever you're sleeping or staying and eating eating dinner and stuff. Um, and also you get to you know because it was a religious school, so there was learning. You know, later in the evening that I used to miss because I would go home, and this gave me an opportunity to uh, partake in that. So it was uh, all around. You know enjoyable
1: <laughs> so an interesting vibe actually i know these days there's a lot more or I'm trying to think of the best way to frame this but essentially the jewish community is under much more of a magnifying glass in the sense that everything is publicized about us and you know unfortunately with kind of current events and there's been a lot of stuff in pop culture and just kind of in film and media about us in general that's only come to fruition in recent years but uh not to aid you but back when you were a issue or you were in high school I'm assuming there wasn't as much of kind of a national media attention or a magnifying glass. So back then when there wasn't as much focus or you guys weren't getting as much, I'll just call it attention, whether positive or negative. What was it like growing up religious?
0: Um, yeah, so we definitely did not have a lot of attention because, you know, uh, just the Internet. I remember being like in a chat room. Like, I think that was the extent of the Internet. Like, I did not have an email address until I think I was married. Interesting. So, wow. I don't know if I'm aging myself. Those,
1: um, <laughs> those back then to follow up, do those do email addresses come with marriage in the Jewish community or you could have one you could have one beforehand?
0: No, I just I didn't I didn't have anybody that I was emailing. Like Not I didn't sure.
1: have a like I was I, I
0: was in yeshiva after high school and I didn't have a job. So like who, who was like emailing? Like there was no, no there was no need to communicate. Uh, I got my first cell phone also post high school. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Same got idea. It. Interesting. Um but growing up, it was—I could tell you—it was definitely simpler. Um, mm-hmm. And and as a parent, I'm raising my kids in this generation, and I'm seeing a lot of things that I didn't have to go through. And my wife and I talk about it all the time: is that you know, would we want to have big kids in this generation? Um, and a Jewish religious kids, for sure. And the the answer is it's it's difficult. You know, the exposure that that we have to other things besides things that they have exposure to us. But we're we're always we're hearing everything that happens um you know take the war that's going on in israel like growing up we we didn't know like i lived in the gulf, through the gulf war mm-hmm. I, we couldn't tell you casualty numbers by the by the minute <laughs> you know we couldn't tell you what happened and if something happened god forbid like we found out about the war starting it was actually the holiday of uh, simchat torah at that mm-hmm. time and we found out about it like through like people who were walking through and said you know oh we're praying for you and we're like what are you praying for you okay. know like and, and that's the exposure that we live in now, growing up back then it was, it was a lot simpler because you did what you did and less, there was less judgment for what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was less exposure for what you did. So you were able to do it in comfort. Now, sometimes we're, you know, we're nervous. There are people that don't want to go to synagogue because if I go to synagogue, then, you know, people are going to see me, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this public display of something because mm-hmm. people are going to take po- pictures. They're going to post it on Instagram. You know, they'll and, do marches and things like that. <laughs> it, 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 it mushrooms so quickly. You know, even what we're doing right now, like the fact that we could do this, mm-hmm. this is exposure. Thank God it's a positive exposure. Of course. But we'll it's exposure that, that we never yep. had.
1: Yep. I was going to we'll say. Find we're... We'll find out from the thumbs up and thumbs down after we after we finish. No, we're going only, <laughs> to only positive exposure here. I may not be as religious, but I'm a proud Zionist. And even though I don't look like it, a proud Israeli citizen. Um, So. Interesting note on that, you know, a quick follow-up on there. Do you think that, well, actually you answered that, but is it harder or kind of what challenges do you see with raising kids in this generation versus kind of what you had to go through growing up at a, at a time when there was less of a magnifying glass?
0: So it, it's a, a little bit of the magnifying glass, but I think it's a little bit to do with, with what we had. Like when our parents were home, they were home, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the home phone rang, if you guys know what a home phone is. Yep. um it's the thing that's attached to the wall in your house if you have mm-hmm. one. most people don't even have a home phone at this point. They have only cell phones. um you know, so when parents were home, they were home um when we went somewhere they were we had full attention now, and you know i'll I'll own my mistakes as a parent sometimes, like you know we'll go somewhere and then a work call will call. I'm supposed to be off, but like this was an emergency, and only I could answer the question. I'm mm-hmm. taking that phone call. Um, so just exposure in that sense, just the ability to separate and close up, you know, we have a rule at our, we, we try our best to like, make sure to put our phones away during the dinner table,
2: you know, Mm -hmm.
0: that way, that way, at least like when we're sitting with our kids, thank God, I'm, um, I merit being able to sit with my kids and eat dinner most nights. It's, it's a different vibe when my phone is away than when my phone is around. And sometimes people will call and I'll call them back and you know what, they'll survive. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and that's one piece. And then. The exposure to the Internet and what you can access in the Internet, um, you know, it, it's the curse of affluence Yep. that I think that I think the world suffers from. But, you know, as a religious Jew, we want to struggle with we, we have to struggle with the balance of getting our kids what they need and, and what they want. And sometimes the, it, the need is not actually what they really need, but really what they need socially. Um. And there's a lot of peer pressure. And again, because of the magnifying glass of what it is, we need to portray ourselves in certain visions, you know, based on the way the world looks at us um, mm-hmm. and says, you know, I need to get this and I need to do that. And our kids will sometimes pressure us in that direction, but everybody's doing that. Um, you know, and all my friends are going here um, and it makes it, it makes it definitely infinitely more complicated. Um, I, I think we get more reward because
1: That's we're true. working
0: harder. <laughs> um but but there's definitely a lot of struggles and a lot of things that, you know, make it complicated.
1: For sure. Well the harder you work, the better you feel. So as a silver lining there. But overall would For you, sure. Would you agree that because there's just, you know, for better or for worse, this democratization of information, it makes it much harder kind of to raise a child within kind of more religious values in this society?
0: Yeah. I mean you you walk down the street and you see things that you, you used to have to um, you know, be slinky on a, on a corner or a sidewalk, you know, and mm-hmm. buy something on a stand. Now you just walk through Manhattan, and you've been exposed to it all. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say it online, um, yeah. but like we know what we see, and yeah. and and it's not it's not even people trying to be one way or the other. Growing up, I I I I, I you didn't see it, mm-hmm. you didn't see it. You the billboards were different, advertisements were different even the media that we see and the commercials that we get and the ads that pop up on our phones, you know, what you could send to somebody is like like that. You send something that maybe you regret, but that's it. It's done. Un- it's sent. You know, you can't undo it.
1: You know what's, uh, what's crazy that you brought that up? It reminds me of a point. It's the fact that I think maybe, you know, religious people, whether it's, you know, Jews or whoever, and I'll just I'll just take by, by what's written, because that, that's as far as I know. I'm also no expert here, so sorry. I don't want to offend anyone here, but maybe someone could make the argument that everything that was written is kind of the hardcore truth. But whenever you see something posted on social media or wherever, a thought comes to mind, it's how do you know that's true? Because everything you're reading is a narrative. I mean, one of the main reasons I started this podcast, and, you know, I'm no perfect individual, but... I like to get down to the bottom of things, you know, whether whatever someone's life story is, what someone's perspective is. Really have them just be able to talk, and you know, I'm do, doing my best not to have an agenda and more an agenda of curiosity. But I definitely think that in modern times, there's a lot more emphasis on the narrative as opposed to the truth. And you know, you see it a lot in the news these days. When there was, for example, in the war, when there was a big hospital that blew up in Gaza, you know, right. all the all the news outlets rushed to blame Israel. I mean, it was they were they had their their finger on the button, and then. And then a recording, you know, the IDF published basically were the terrorists that were, in short, they were like, oh, no, no, that was probably our missile. And then all the media outlets, they didn't even they didn't even change. They were just like, oh, a hospital exploded. It's still under investigation. Yet, right. you know, this is out. And that's not even, you know, openly I'm very, I'm from Israel. So I'm obviously, we're all biased to an extent here. But when there's, someone literally comes out and there's like a report saying that, you know, or you see the terrorists saying that this was us. And the so national media outlets are like, oh, it's under investigation. It really makes you think about how much of things are true and how much people kind of chase a narrative as opposed to the truth, you know?
0: A million percent. I mean, I can make it more mundane and less political, but, like, you just look at sports. For sure. You ever read an article for the opposing team? They think no. our team is the worst, and we think their team is the worst, and our team is going to win it. And, and you read it, and you're like, I believe it. And then, like, the opposite happens, and you're like, but I
2: believed it. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I mean, the fact that Wikipedia exists, I think, is is hilarious. It's like, whatever you want to just edit it, go for it. I mean, we'll we'll put your name on it, but mm-hmm. you can you can edit it. War of eighteen twelve did not happen. It just didn't. <laughs> I don't know. We'll take it out of the history books. Because war, we war, war of eighteen
1: twelve. You could say happened in eighteen fourteen, and no one, maybe. Well, my son actually
0: Asian. literally just told me that that's why that war is in my head. It went it went from eighteen twelve to eighteen fifteen. It's really the War of 1812 through 15, but it's less catchy name.
1: Got it. So someone on Wikipedia should should make that correction if they're listening. But a really, really crazy point on there. I think, you know... On the note about sports, I think it's interesting how we're pretty much exposed to you know our local media. And it's funny because it's all the same, you know, news stations, but they all have branches with you know across the state. So whatever branch it is is for that team. And we grew up thinking our team is so good, so good, so good. You know, for example, after an Eagles game, you search up Eagles on Google, you see Eagles Twitter, but then you search up, you say Cowboys Twitter or Chiefs Twitter, and then they're like, Oh, we beat them so badly, this, that. So it's really interesting to see these narratives. I mean, I think in summary. You know, hopefully one day. I'm I'm doing my best to have it on this podcast, but one day we can focus more on the truth and facts. And you know, I don't think it's possible to get to completely the truth because I think we're all biased towards our experience for better or worse. You know, regardless of our, our. And we don't believe in. We
0: and we don't believe in censorship. That too, yeah. That's uh, that's for I sure. Think, I think that's the biggest issue is that if we if we could censor, which we I don't believe that we should. But mm-hmm. If we could censor, then then we would be able to stop misinformation but in that in the end usually if we would censor that would probably prove that our information is the misinformation so
1: yeah
0: uh, it's very hard
1: <laughs> if there could be if there could be some purely objective ai out there that's somehow some way uh, censored for this so, <laughs> if there are any billions billionaires like elon musk whoever listening uh you know work, work on that project and we can uh, we can catch up but really cool conversation around that you know back to regarding your story you know you grew up in a religious environment in a simpler time and you ended up pursuing this really senior role in NCSY and really achieving a lot there. But early on, did you know you wanted to pursue a kind of role in this kind of organization or you thought about different opportunities growing up?
0: It's a great question because
1: thank you. Um, recently, recently I actually like
0: thought about it, like a little bit going back in time. Um, every once in a while I'm asked this question. Um, growing up, I grew up in a house that um, we constantly had people over. Mm-hmm. And I think that in my brain, I computed that as normal,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: it wasn't like we were doing something different than anybody else. And I and I think therefore, it didn't resonate with me actually when I went into a a profession that pushed me in that direction,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because it was it was a lot later. It was probably like five ten years into NCSY that somebody asked me that question. I'm like, you know what? Like my parents did a lot of this, like. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it like professionally, but we have people that we we could say grew up on our home. You know, they spend every Shabbat at our home. Uh, you know, they 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 were part of our family, and I think like going looking back, um, it definitely played a role in me becoming who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regard to the profession, I was probably going to be a social worker. Really, that was that was probably the direction my brain was going in. Um, I, you know, I'll brag for a second. I'm, I'm very good at reading people. I'm very good at um, as, understanding as a side people. Note,
1: as a side note, as I can, as I and many of my friends who are listening can tell, but that's that's another conversation. Just had to shamelessly plug that. But you were saying, <laughs> <laughs> but
0: uh, you know, if you look at what I did, it was the way I looked at it was was religious social work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it was it was listening to people. It was problem solving with people. It was helping people grapple with different things in their lives, be it family, be it school, be it social. So instead of directing it in the line of, you know, psychology and and um, understanding that piece through that lens, it went through the Torah lens and, the, you know, the, the, the way we understood everything through the Bible. Like, you know, that, that was how I, I found um, the direction that I was going in. Um, and when I was leaving, I was actually thinking about potentially going back to school mm-hmm. for social work. Um, for sure. But uh, you know, uh, this, this the, the 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 next stage of my journey. I don't know if you want to ask questions about that. We could talk about it in a few minutes if you you know before we we jump oh, to yeah, the next yeah. stage. Yep. Um, but it was definitely social work was probably the 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 one direction I was I was really going in. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I do anything, my wife says, "Oh, you'd make a good doctor," because I'm like, you know, my kids are splurting blood after they get cut, or you know, oh, you just argued great; you'd make a great lawyer." So, <laughs> either I'm really good at everything, um, or I'm decent at most things, um, but still, the direction I would have gone would probably have been social
1: work. Interesting. Well, a lot of Jews—shameless plug—and uh, I mean this in a friendly way—would make great lawyers because we love arguing. I think it's it's a oh, bit 100%. of hundred in our DNA, but. You know, you're a smart person. You never considered doing something more like financy, or you just you were always 100 percent geared towards kind of helping others in a more social way.
0: Um, I I think, you know, from my upbringing and going back to it, I I think that 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 definitely peppered it. When I when I got married, um, I lived in Israel for four years and um, my two oldest were born there. Mm -hmm. And we we spent a lot of time in a uh, it's called a a cure of Kolel. It was a a school, like a I guess a prep school for post, um you know marriage that mm-hmm. prepped for doing the work that I did in NCSY, um and they were helping people get into all different organizations like Maor and uh, i trying to think uh, other like other other right all those different organizations so that was the direction we were going in, but while we were there and again sort of a, like an unbeknownst. To us that this helped shape us. We spent a lot of time. I have a sister that lives there and a brother-in-law. Um, and I would say probably for the first year, we we probably lived there. We had our own apartment, but we spent so much time there. We would go there for dinner all the time, we would go there for Shabbat all the time. And we lived within like a 15 minute walk. So even if we didn't sleep there, we would we would spend a lot of time there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they had a home like that also. Like my my brother in law worked in a um yeshiva for a long time for boys that struggled with drug addiction um and alcohol addiction mm-hmm. and these boys were in his house all the time when we were there and we got exposed to watching them help them mm-hmm. and it inspired us to 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 pursue a direction and when i say us i mean me and my wife we we were a team in that Mm -hmm. Um, anybody that says that when you do a a profession like NCSY or more or anything like that, that it's just the husband or just the one that's working, it's, it's false. It's Mm -hmm. it's a very family. It's not just me and my wife, Well, that was when we made a decision. But my, my kids are, we're all a hundred percent involved. Um, I made sure, you know, no matter, this is just a good tidbit of advice. If you ever go into something like this, that you have a lot of people in your home Mm -hmm. that no matter who came to my house, my kids always sat next to us. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to yeah like it's 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 so important because it shows your children that still they're they're the most important people in your lives and they should be Mm -hmm. but I want to help everybody else as well so you give up your time a lot for them but when it comes to like our Shabbat meal and we're all together and we're deciding where to sit my kids are going to sit next to me
2: that's Um, a
1: a beautiful note there I think you know what's interesting about that is Whenever you go on this big, a big NCSY event or Shabbaton, there's a reason why it's the whole family's there. And by the way, you know your wife is an awesome person. I know I'm saying that on air, but definitely send her my regards and wish her the best and continue. She's with- just
0: as much fun to interview, by the way. You'd, you'd, lo- she'd be, uh oh, she'd be great.
1: We should be looking yeah, we'll, for somebody else. We'll get her on another episode. We'll, we'll have this as the, the preview for that, that little cut line. But you know, it's really interesting to hear, and I love that you said it was more of kind of a family-oriented vibe, and you always liked having people over candidly one of my really good friends who i'm not going to mention but you may have an idea of i'm talking about uh you know when he uh when i used to live in new york he would always have a bunch of people over and very family-oriented vibes and you know he's an interesting character i don't wanna you know i don't know if i have his permission to say his name but uh we okay. we, we all really appreciate kind of having that and the reason i brought that up is because it just reminds me of your story and how he you know you always had a lot of people over and he always has a lot of people over and and I sense that the big emphasis is on like community, being around each other, being around, you know, fellow people, fellow Jews, and really just kind of having a great time. So
2: 100%. Uh, well,
1: interesting to see kind of what uh, uh kind of where where he'll go. And you know, since you guys have similar upbrings, I don't know if my friend's gonna be a rabbi, but cool to see that you guys uh, have that similar vibe. Uh, but really great and something I definitely commend. On a note that you mentioned before, you said that you went to kind of this Kira Yeshiva where they prepped people for a lot of these Jewish organizations. As you mentioned, there are a ton of other Jewish organizations out there. I mean, you happen to go down the route of NCSY, but there's also Chabad, Meor, Olami, Aish, you know, I'm sure plenty of others that I haven't heard yet or others that will come up. Is there a reason you chose NCSY in particular as opposed to the other ones?
0: Yes, a great question. Again, I love your questions. Thank um, you. I some, of them
1: I, some, I, some I saw in advance,
0: but some I didn't.
1: Um, it's okay. I, I, didn't after...
0: too, I, I didn't want to be too prepped for these it's questions. It's okay to, to
1: tell you quick in advance. Uh, we'll get to the question in a second, but you don't build the best uh, business podcast in the world by asking boring questions. So we make sure right, that's. But I, I want to plug.
0: There. I want to plug that you actually have great questions.
2: Thank you.
1: I that, appreciate it. That's my it.
2: plug.
0: Um, but uh, what I found amazing about NCSY, and I met you actually pre-high school. Yep. Uh, that that is I think something that you, you you're one of the few that got like a, a preview into our world of MCSY before we act right the shenanigans for sure. Um sushi night, right? Sushi yeah. Konica sushi. sushi.
1: Sushi Starbucks, yeah, that's all I needed when yeah. I was there.
0: Your brother just claimed, oh, there was no babysitter. I need to bring him. Yeah. I still remember the, I still remember the first time we met. Do you remember that? Yeah, well that's uh, we'll save that for another, <laughs> for another. <laughs> um but uh, what I found interesting about NCSY was that it gave. Um, I mean, should I talk a little bit about what NCSY does? Because I don't know if, like, I'm, I mean, no, I'm talking.
1: You could, no, feel free. No, feel free to talk about NCSY yeah. to give just, to give I, a, I, yeah. a broad. Sure, I'll I'll just add really quickly to give a broad background. I mean, all these organizations are great. Um, and I wouldn't say I wouldn't call one better or worse than the other. I just think they all have a different vibe. And you go towards the one where kind of your vibe or your values are more aligned with that one. So right. kind of that being said, feel free to to say whatever you so want.
0: I, I, I don't think it was necessarily about the vibe itself. I think it was about the work that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, NCSY dealt with high school kids. Got it. So, um, you know, what I found was that it dealt with high school kids who were really in their formative years. Like if mm-hmm. you look at anybody in high school, you 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 we we've all had friends in ninth grade, and then when they graduate in twelfth grade, you're like, whoa, not the same person. For Either sure. for better or for worse. You know, we won't talk about anybody in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's your formative years. That's where you're going through puberty. That's where you're you're finding out who you are. You're making decisions. What group of people you're going to be a part of. What you know direction you want your life to go in. Where you're going to go to college. What you're going to do. You know all those things. Are are in high school, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after. But those four years are so important into the shaping of a human being that when I felt that I met somebody in ninth grade and then let go of them, sometimes more than others, you know, we're still here, so yep. we obviously keep up. Um, you know, in twelfth grade, I'm hoping that I've given them a direction in Judaism and a direction of their connection to Israel and their connection to their peers, and their love of being a Jew, more than they had in ninth grade. When you Mm -hmm. get them in college, so the the advantage of college is that they get to make a lot more of their independent decisions. They could decide to go to Israel on a whim. They could decide to, um, you know, change their lifestyle, which high school kids are not necessarily able to do. But my goal is to prep the seeds and plant the seeds so that when they do get to College and they get to campus they 're pro israel they 're mm-hmm. pro judaism they 're not they 're not self hating that they 're prepared to stand up to what might go on on a campus as we 've seen very clearly is going on on campuses around the world mm-hmm. and that was the goal to make sure that I gave as much as I can, so I felt like I was making a huge difference in these kids lives to be able to and teens, not really kids um, in order to give them the opportunity so that when they get into life, when they make their decisions, they're making decisions in a real way with with real knowledge. And mm-hmm. then when they get to somebody that stands against what they're standing for, they're like, no, I have a strong foundation. I know what I stand for. You can't tell me that because you're also a Jew and you loathe Israel that that's why I should follow you because I've heard all the amazing things that Israel's done. Mm-hmm. And how many unfortunate souls have gotten to college and just don't have that knowledge. And and they don't have that forethought. And they get swallowed up into that. So that that was the main reason why I chose um, NCSY. I, I love the age group because mm-hmm. it gave me an idea to an opportunity to really, I think, really, you know, change lives.
1: So the biggest thing you would say is that, you know, while all the other organizations are really great and have their programs, in NCSY, you saw the biggest potential to kind of help kids or educate kids within those really formative years. I mean, 14 to 18, you know, it's just your prime teenage years. Everyone's trying to figure it out. And you thought it could be a great way to kind of set a great Jewish foundation so these people are prepared to make decisions, whether it's in college or kind of after college as well. Correct. I think, no, beautiful point. And definitely, uh, we're formative in my life. I know we have had a lot of fun memories, but uh, I do agree in the sense that I think NCSY does a great job of trying to kind of bring a lot of Jews together and really positively influence them for... The time it's going to come, I think what we see now happening on campuses, and we'll get into a lot of those kind of issues a little bit later in the discussion. But a lot of times, you might see even Jews who aren't as educated or didn't have that kind of opportunity getting swallowed up into this vacuum of anti-Semitism, and it's it's really sad. To, I'm not going to speak French here, but it's really sad to see. And you know, I, I hope that that one day people can be a little more educated, and uh, you know, people will be a little nicer. So I think it's really beautiful that you kind of got a chance to pursue that. Uh, on another quick note, so you did mention that you and your wife lived in Israel for a few years. And I forgot if I asked you this before, but how did you and your wife end up meeting?
0: Um, so we, funny, we were actually related through marriage four really? times before we got married.
1: Interesting. Well, wow. yeah. by the way, you wanna, a, do think, you want to hear them all? <laughs> well, we can, we can hear them all, but to clarify, like in-law related, not... Yeah. Yes, yes, we weren't. No, no, not, yeah, no, 100%. That's
2: why I said related Baruch through marriage.
1: That's why Hashem,
0: yes. I, said, I said that. I said through marriage.
1: Through Hashem. marriage. Six, six healthy yes. kids. We just have to put that up there to make sure. Just have to emphasize.
0: Huh. So uh, the first one is um, my first cousin and her first cousin are married mm-hmm. to each other. They actually set us up. Wow. So that's the answer to your question. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um. My mother's first cousin and my mother-in-law's first cousin are married to each other. Interesting. My uncle and her uncle married sisters. Wow. And my first cousin and her first cousin married sisters. Mm-hmm. And that's like my father to her father, my mother to her mother, my mother my mother to her father. Like, it's all, like, it's it's everything. It's not like it's just one part of the family. It's not like my father and her father, you know, interacted. But like, it hits like all different angles. It was very cool when we got engaged. Everybody was like, "We're related." Again, like we knew everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I spent time in her grandma, her 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 aunt's house many times because mm-hmm. she was my she was my first cousin once removed's grandmother. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, Like not related to me, but related to my my cousins. Um, right. So that we we met through that. They they set us up, um, and like I said, the families knew each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, so it wasn't it wasn't like such a a far fetch.
1: How I did you guys even
0: tell you how long we date?
1: I was no. So and... you know what's funny about that. That was that's how you know we're having a deep discussion because that was literally my my follow up question. How long did you guys date before question? We,
0: <laughs> we dated for a month. Um, we got engaged on the seventh date.
1: Wow, that, that's beautiful. I don't know if I if I ask a girl. This was I, like a live I podcast. I feel like the questions would be coming in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I even ask you a lot by the seventh date, let alone marry. But I think, you know, I mean, it's beautiful. You know, you have a beautiful family and we'll get into all that. But on a quick follow up to there, you know, you guys are typically in the more religious community move at a much faster rate than kind of traditional dating. So overall, Mm -hmm. how would you say that more Orthodox or kind of traditional Jewish dating differs from more modern dating?
0: So I think the fundamental difference is that generally secular dating is I don't know you at all, mm-hmm. but I like you or more importantly, I like the way you look. It's fair. Um, Want to get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. We might have nothing in common, but we're going to go out mm-hmm. because maybe we have something in common and I like the way you look. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not going to, we're not going to pick up a girl in the bar that we think is not, you know, something that we're attracted to mm-hmm. just not. So that's secular dating. Um, religious dating orthodox religious dating and you can the spectrum really moves it's you know from 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 from, um you know websites like saw you at sinai which is not a it's a matchmaking site so it's not like i'm going to a bar i see your profile i see a little bit about you um the way we were set up you know so that that's the traditional um you know more religious orthodox view is that somebody sets you up, which what that automatically does is, first of all, there's something called a resume. Mm -hmm. Like we actually have a resume about who we are, where we went to school, who 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 our siblings are, um, you know, who our rabbis or mentors are, people that we can, that can vouch for our authenticity of who we are. Um, You know, if you want to find out about my personality, you you know, am I, do I get angry fast? Am I, do I like to have people over in my house all the time? Right. Those type of questions. um, That's, Traditionally, on a resume um, or at least numbers for people who you can call to find out about that, um, and what that does is that cuts out a lot of the preamble mm-hmm. so we, we we dated seven dates, but we probably cut out fifteen of them mm-hmm. interesting because because we skipped the initial I see you at the the bar um, or at the coffee shop and I ask you for a cup of, to go out for a cup of coffee or buy you a drink. Mm-hmm. So that's date one. Right. And then, you know, maybe we meet up for coffee a couple of times and just hang out, you know, and that that's dates two to five, you know, and then, you know, other things might happen. And then we go to date six, you know, and it the, the whole beginning is like, do I even want to hang out with you? Mm-hmm. And for us, that's the only piece is we know that we we fit like, you know, goals in life for the most part. We know that our families are, are compatible. We know, you know, potentially where we wanna live. A lot of those questions are answered before you even go out on your first date. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, do I like you? Am I attracted to you? So it's actually like almost like secular dating in reverse. We do all the, <laughs> the, the stuff at the end first. And then okay. we, we, we find out if we wanna hang out with each other and we go a little bit deeper and find out a little bit more personally about mm-hmm. each other and you know what, what is interesting to ourselves. And if we if we're compatible in that sense,
1: that's a beautiful note there. Uh, you know, I think <laughs> a really a really interesting follow on that I think you know is can either really go one way or the other. You know, what's really booming right now is a lot of these dating apps. And I know dating apps in the past have gotten a bad rep for kind of being a little more you know we'll just call it physical oriented. But I think over time there have been apps that have tried to get a little more quote unquote resume like or more compatibility wise. So, in your opinion, do you think dating apps push people more towards secular dating or more towards the traditional way of dating?
0: It depends on what the the app would be. I, yeah. I I think you you hit the nail on the head with with like you know if if it's a physical you know if if the picture is the biggest thing on your screen and then underneath it says like a couple little blurbs about you then then we mm-hmm. know which direction you're going in. If it's yeah. like a small picture and an icon that maybe you can make bigger if you tapped on it, but that's not the the focal point. This you know the the focal point is is. Job, uh, you know where you live, you know what you're interested in, hobbies, things like that. I think if you get that information, that's gonna that that's a more likely to be long-lasting relationship than one that's based on physicality. We have a there's a a famous uh, saying, which means love that's based on something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if your love is based on physicality, I'm gonna scare you all and say we all get old and we all get ugly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's life. We do that's life and if 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 the only thing that we have is because you're 20 and fit and you go to the gym every day but when you're 30 you break a leg and now you can't work Mm -hmm. out and now you get fat and 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 not as attractive why would that why would that relationship survive it was based on you're 20 and you're fit there's only so long you could be 20 and fit
1: (laughs) yeah no for sure On on a funny note there's actually a guy who's i think i don't know if you've heard of him but he's um Oh, Rabbi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, But it's funny though. There's actually a guy who I think is uh, on that note anti-aging. But I think he's like one in like the entire world who's trying to do that. So assuming we're not all to that extent, uh, you know, definitely. Yeah, and I don't think
0: you live. I don't think you live a happy life if, if again, it's. I think he's 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 missing the point. We all Mm -hmm. age, and that's okay. But if we have nothing else to live for but our good looks, it's the same thing. Our life has been meaningless. If Mm -hmm. if if I if I you know, died in in thirty forty years, and I have grandchildren and great grandchildren, and and have lived a successful life and lived a moral life. I I don't care what I look like when I die. Why, why would I care? I mean, again, I don't want to look decrepit. Yeah, <laughs> but but it might happen. I always say because uh, people don't know how old I am, and I could pause for a second and let you guess. But um, I'm younger than I look. Let's just go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we could talk about my age later, but I always say to friends, I was like, I'm going to look like this for the next 40 years.
1: A, You're going to get old. You're going to get
2: old. For sure.
1: I mean, it's yeah. not a bad look, Rabbi. I know loosely kind of what your age might, is. And you
2: look,
1: no, you look, you look great for your age, so I'll just shamelessly plug that. So no no worries I'm on that not, whatsoever. And I do have a good beard game. I, I like my beard game. I'm, I'm is, proud of it. It is an A1 beard game, as I may add, but. You know, what a good idea for a dating app if anyone out there is interested in kind of pursuing, you know, that something that's a little more focused, you know, while I think it's fair to kind of see pictures of, of some people. And I think there's something, if I'm not mistaken, something in halacha regarding you have to have some kind of physical attraction to your significant other. And halacha is too For those that don't know, but would a good dating app be something where while you can see pictures of someone else, there's more of an emphasis on kind of what someone's background is and really them talking about what they're looking for and in a significant other, and then see if that's compatible with what you're trying to do.
0: I think that ties into what we started with uh, Mm -hmm. about objective opinion, that when we were talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, Israel and we're talking about sports is if you see a picture that automatically skews your direction into one direction, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't give you an actual true understanding of who that person is. And if we want an app that's truthful, and we talked about trying to bring more truth into the world, I think that that's a great way to do it. Is are we compatible because we we like the same things?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's a there's a famous the, there's a funny Family Guy episode, and yes, I'm quoting Family Guy oh, um, where that. Brian where Brian goes to India. Do you ever see that one?
1: I think so. Yeah. He, oh, he goes to India because he like he spoke over the phone. It, over the phone, right?
0: <laughs> right, and and you know he first calls out her name and you know so and so I can't remember her name stand up like this lady stands up and she's obviously not the pinnacle of of beauty mm-hmm. and he goes ah oh, is that you and he, she's like no there was a snake under my desk and she moves yeah. over and then there's the pretty girl you know yep. but 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 that's the point is that the natural reaction is oh you know like you sounded nice on the phone but now that I'm seeing you in person and if you get to know the person Beauty is in a, a very, very, very subjective, uh, subjective thing. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it it it's based on what I like. You know, there's a pot to every, you know, there's a pot covered every every pot, mm-hmm. you know. And and what I find attractive or what he finds attractive is going to be different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and we we get so caught up in the what the world has told us is attractive. You know, the the, the concept of a golden ratio. I cool. laugh at that. Got it. I laugh at that. It's great. Mm-hmm. But for who? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen someone that they say has the the 99% golden ratio? And you're like, that is not my style. It's just not.
1: No, for sure. I definitely think it's something that's very subjective. And I think, you know, you can joke around with your friends and in a more secular way, but I definitely think that real relationships are based off something, a more commonality or a more common vision for how you want to see your life. And I definitely think that you know, I have, I have, uh, you know, can talk about personal topics here, but that would be a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, but I definitely think that dating more towards the religious vibe, and what, even that being said, everyone has the what they're most comfortable with. But I definitely think that dating towards more the traditional Jewish end focuses more on that, and that's why you see, you know, while every marriage doesn't work out, whatever you know religion or you know sect sect you look at, I think more often than not they work out in Judaism because the foundation is there for something great. So definitely Correct. beautiful in there. Uh, Quick follow-on regarding your story. As you mentioned earlier, I know you said that you lived in Israel for a few years and your first two kids were born there. Just curious, where did you live in Israel and kind of what was that like uh, being a younger couple?
0: Yeah, I lived in Jerusalem. Oh, awesome. Um, I lived in um, an Anglo area called Malot Mm Daphna, where a lot of younger couples my age. um, Now it's actually like morphed into, you know, a lot of those people have stayed. Mm -hmm. It's actually become like, they're still my age, I guess, (laughs) but they're not younger couples, Uh, you know, and um, there was a certain freeingness to it. Like, there was a certain, like, being, I mean, it was also the beginning of my marriage, Mm -hmm. so, you know, me and my wife learning how to be married and, you know, working through all the different things that, you know, hit a a newly married couple, Mm -hmm. um, but there was something like there was something like freeing of just you know this is what I'm doing I'm living here I'm on my own, my parents and my in laws are miles away, and not just miles but uh, hundreds of miles away, mm-hmm. maybe thousands of miles. I can never remember how far the Atlantic I think is.
1: Israel is something like the planes go five hundred. Yeah, because because <laughs> I've been fortunate enough to fly back a few times. But if for example in Israel <laughs> if you're flying I think it's. So one time I actually flew there nine and a half hours, probably one of the faster flights. But if the plane is going, say five six hundred miles an hour, ten hours, you know, five six thousand miles, something like this.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It's I I thought it was thousands of miles because you know Baltimore is a hundred miles, so I I, you know from Philly, so I I can't Mm -hmm. imagine Israel is just you know maybe nine more times than that. That would be Mm -hmm. very close, and we'd probably be going more often. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was it was it was nice to learn how to be ourselves. You know, in our in our own environment, in our own apartment, um, without uh, you know, a, as exactly. much uh, we definitely had familial support. My like I said, my sister lived there. Um, I had uh, my wife has an aunt and uncle that lived there with a bunch of kids. Um, later on, the last year, my wife's brother actually moved there also. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just it you know living in Israel is different.
2: Sure. Um,
0: and what's funny is that having gone back there, the visit it's such a different world because like as a tourist, even if you're not like touristy, you're still mm-hmm. a tourist. For sure. Um, And you're going to all the things and you're, let's say you're there for seven days, right? Um, you, You're not going to work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're, going to Likotel, you're going to the hotel. You're going to the Shook. You're going to the Dead Sea. You're doing all the touristy sites, whether you're, like I said, touristy or not, but you're not living real life. And it was mm-hmm. like, Going back there was such a, a an interesting way of looking at it because I remember people always coming and, you know, they always wanted your time
2: mm-hmm. when they
0: visited. And I'm like, I, I have a life. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine if you came to America and said, OK, no work for you for 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 seven days. You're just you're going to hang out with me and we're going to go to the Liberty Bell and we're going to go to the Mint and we'll 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 go to old uh, whatever, you know, uh, that- South Street. You know, uh, Chinatown, well, well, I'd be like, uh, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I could hang out with you a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to like, you know, so it's, it's interesting seeing the contrast, but living there was, was, it was just, it was, it was a lot more refreshing than America. We didn't have a car, Mm -hmm. you know, we took buses, we didn't even take taxis, really. We walked everywhere, Mm -hmm. best shape of my life, probably, (laughs) probably, probably that minus like post heart attack. Yeah, yeah, I had a heart attack. Stainless yeah. plug. Um it's but, I uh, love,
1: now, by the way I love how you're able to talk about that freely as we all should should with kind of the crazy situations oh, in our I, life. I, so. I,
0: I think it was I think it was one of the best things that ever happened to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um it happened to me young.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It happened to me um I, I didn't I didn't have like bypass surgery. I just had a stent put mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. it was a lot less you know, all the all the NCS wires that are gonna watch this are gonna be like, What we didn't hear. But um you can all call me for good wishes if you want. Um, but I picked up biking. Um, I mm-hmm. I mentioned that to you offline, um, and it's it's amazing just being like healthy, like a yep. different world. No, for sure. Do you remember how much candy I used
1: to eat? Do you remember how uh, much candy yeah. I used to eat? I, you used to you you went to town at the Shabbatones. I'll just I'll put it down. To I haven't had a I haven't
0: had a piece of candy in about two and a half years. Uh, four and a half years.
1: Wow. So. That's – yeah, progress. Well, it's interesting to hear, you know, <laughs> I had another person uh, on my podcast not too long ago, but this woman by the name of Jennifer Drummond, she actually, she was in a in a car accident when she was, uh, I I can't forget if she was a little younger, kind of if it was a few years ago, but you said it was one of the best things that happened to her because she just kind of like totally changed her life. So it reminds me a lot of this book that I'm reading, if it sounds familiar, called The Alchemist, where this kid is trying to find his purpose or his journey. And whenever something bad happens, the lesson in it is always to look at it kind of as an or something practically bad. The lesson is to look at it as an omen, not just something that, oh, my life sucks. So whenever something bad happens, you're supposed to look at it in the, in the realm or kind of the prism of redirection. And that direction is supposed to take you on a more positive path. So It sounds like you were really able to
2: yeah. see life in of a positive Judaism.
1: life.
0: It's the fundamentals but, of Judaism. Mm-hmm. That we we look at anything that happens for a purpose, and for if sure. we believe that everything happens for a purpose, whether it's good or bad, then we can make the most out of anything that happens. Be it a car accident, or a heart attack, or just tripping and breaking a so, wrist. Do you ever think about staying right. in Israel? Um, or- yeah, so I I, I, I we, we actually thought about staying in Israel when we were leaving,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then 2015 before I moved to Lower Marion. Actually, mm-hmm. from the northeast in Philadelphia, um, we also thought about it because we were—it was a big decision to move. For sure. Um, it was—it was changing. You know, we stayed in NCSY, but we changed the direction of of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew it was a big decision, and we looked to potentially going back to Israel. It's hard. It's hard to live in Israel um, unless you 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 decide to live the lifestyle. For sure. Um, you know, be it child raising, be it. Um, Amount of income opportunities for income. Remember, you know whether whether for better or for worse. I had a bachelor's, but that was the extent of my my um, you know formal education before mm-hmm. you know before I went into my next line of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, there's not as much marketable um, you know income. You know, I wasn't a doctor or lawyer that you know was transferable. You know, to to what they would need me for in Israel. So, mm-hmm. unless I found a position of similar ilk of NCSY or something like that, which, again, pays less and it's it's a harder lifestyle. So for sure. um, we didn't make that decision.
1: <laughs> Got it. I mean, do you ever think about hypothetically, if you did move back, what life would have been like? You know, I know it's there's a lot of drawbacks, but a lot of like the benefits of living in Israel.
0: Oh, a million percent all the time. I mean, yeah. first of all, um, there's yes, there are opportunities for for secular. World there, but you know in Israel it's it's you have to look for it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Not as much in your face. There are definitely communities that you can live in that are um, infinitely more sheltered in that sense. That just you know don't expose your children. And you know back to our question of raising children. You know in today's generation, it definitely would have been different raising our children there. You know we would have probably had very different. Um, you know <laughs> I have an aunt that one of her favorite lines is she says you know. You know, if I had a chance to raise my children again, I would do everything completely different and make a whole new set of mistakes.
1: (laughs) I think I think it's a beautiful note because a lot of people think about oh, if I did this or that, my life would have been better. I think the more objective way to look at it, even though it's a really emotional topic, is you know, it would have been different. You can't say if it would have been better or worse. It just it would have been something else and you would have been just as excited for that journey. But for whatever reason, this is kind of where life took you.
0: Million percent. For sure.
1: You know, uh, on that mm-hmm. note, you still ended up, as you mentioned, you ended up staying kind of within the Philadelphia area, kind of moved to Lower Merion and have built yourself a bit of a life there. And even back when you were involved in NCSY, you know, you did a lot of stuff, you kind of really grew the community there and you were closer to some of the more religious schools. So just easier of access to that sort of demographic that you were trying to mm-hmm. deal with. Do you remember any of the your favorite NCSY memories? You know, ones that are uh, appropriate to share over the camera where you weren't, uh, (laughs) or we didn't have any issues with me or my friends. The shameless plug there, but any any fun memories? I feel like you can
0: hear me, but I can't hear you.
2: Oh, can you you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay,
0: perfect. Um, All good. Um, Favorite NCSY memories. Um, There, there are so many. Um, One of my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. will always be um, i don 't know if this I, I think you were around already at this time, or you were like almost around when we made that um the waving flag video with Rob Harberger with Rob so are you around good. you can you, you can google it it's it's it 's called Philadelphia Freedom Fighters, and it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with what we probably thought the name wasn 't yeah. uh, <laughs> we were not trying to like secede from america
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: but we we did like um you know the waving flag video and it was all about freedom and it was about Israel and the freedom in Israel and stuff like that um and it was just it was just a blast and then we did like the mighty ducks you know mm-hmm. the, the the when they collect everybody mm-hmm. i don't know if I'm, I'm definitely dating myself because the mighty ducks is so long ago so good, but you know they they go from person to person and each one you know the group gets bigger and um it was just showing the idea of of you know who we are and what what the opportunities we have are to affect change um, and be free, you know, to be religious and be Jewish. Um, That was definitely one of them. Um, There are so many, you know, like I, I, I sit back and I, I, you know, will reminisce all the time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, each person I talk to will, will conjure up a different memory. Um, and each time I sit down, it's like, oh, this is my favorite. So I don't know mm-hmm. if I have favorites, but I have memories that come up, like when I had a hernia in Israel, and our mm-hmm. our uh, um, uh, Malave Neshek, our uh pushed me up the hill with <laughs> one of my daughters on his shoulders, mm-hmm. and and two kids on my lap on the mm-hmm. on the on the wheelchair, and he pushed me up a hill. Um, you know, that was that. Th- those are memories. Got it. Um, and then just just all the good times, the latte and learnings. The hanging out, the inspiration. Um, your graduation was a good one. Got it. I won't mention I, oh, any. I won't. I, I won't mention any. I won't mention anybody's names. I
1: will not I, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that is <laughs> something that
0: I ended up doing. Um, but your NCSY graduation also. You know, like it's it's it's. I guess you know they're, they're they're my 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 they're my like most enjoyable memories, and then they're the most. Inspiring memories, and I think that that's yeah. probably a better question. Um, was every year when when we graduated teens, and we knew that they were going off to a place um, to be different and to mm-hmm. grow and to to you know take what we taught them and move forward with it. I think that that's you know I, that 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 was always what kept me going. It was you know three years later, or even now, like when we we touch base, you know people reaching out to each other. I think I sent you a picture. I think yep. that that's what it was, you know, and, but those things come up all the time. And, and, you know, if we, if we reached out to everybody that we thought about when we thought about them, we'd be infinitely closer to a lot more people. Um, I think we, we, we walk at it. We're like, Oh, they probably don't care. You know, and I've definitely done that. I think about it, but like I've definitely done that. That was a great picture. Um, yeah, and, fair. and, you know, it, it's, it's being reached out to later on in life. Um, I, I have a, I have a. This is a good, this is a good story. I have a uh, a study partner that I I learn with. I study, mm-hmm. um, you know, Monday nights and Tuesday nights, in the local kollel, you know, mm-hmm. where they where they learn. And one night I'm sitting there, and as I'm finishing up with the guy that I'm learning with, he has somebody else that he's going to learn with. Interesting. And in walks in, one of my previous JSU presidents huh. in Harridan High School. Interesting. He walked in. And I was like, "Oh my goodness this is this is the person like, you know, like he's grown and and now he's now not not only is he studying and growing, but he's learning with the same guy that I'm learning with. Mm-hmm. He came to learn with my guy after me, so we learn back to back, and I'm like this, this is like that's nachas, you know mm-hmm. seeing them." you know, grow and seeing them, you know, run podcasts and seeing them become mm-hmm. members of society. No, it's 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 true. You know, I, I, I can't point to them because I don't know who they are. Um, the people that don't become people mm-hmm. that I interact with later on in life. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're I, I I tried to do this once. I was not successful. It's also very hard once you hire other people. Mm-hmm. I've seen thousands of teens over mm-hmm. my time. Yep. Mm, probably three, four thousand teens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I think about it okay. now, some were some were one-offs. Mm-hmm. Some they came to one JSU or one Lantian Learning, and I never saw them again. Um, some I saw once a year, but many of them I saw quite often. And you know, some of them stayed in touch. Some of them I made a bigger impact, and some of them I made a great impact on. But they didn't necessarily, um, you know, let me know about it, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Also, it was it was it was about knowing that I planted seeds. And gave people an opportunity to grow and become, you know, upstanding members of society in the Jewish world, um, you know, in Israeli politics and things like that. And that was that was my goal.
1: It's beautiful to oh. hear and awesome that you were able to touch that many lives. But when you were thinking about leaving, was it really bittersweet knowing that that was, that was kind of another so lifetime, beautiful. another kind so of lifetime life leaving behind?
0: So we we did uh we did like a small. It wasn't so big. Um, like a goodbye. You know, gathering, and they printed out pictures mm-hmm. from the 13 years. They went to my Facebook <laughs> and other people's Facebook and found pictures of me with people. I mm-hmm. still have all the pictures, and they put them on like little stands, and they were everywhere around around where we where we had this 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 gathering. And it was like so emotional. And then like we spoke, and they I spoke, and people spoke about me, and one of my uh one of the one of the wires spoke about me. Mm-hmm um local from from local and like it was just it was just so inspiring to mm-hmm. see that i made a difference um but it was super bittersweet i was very nervous about leaving because i knew that a there were teens that were still in high school and then mm-hmm. i also knew that there were teens that some of them you know knew me from the community that were looking forward to having me
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know and interacting with me and never got that chance
2: mm-hmm. um
0: so i i try i'm still connected to the community i still try to Help out of the Purim events and the Hanukkah events. And whenever they're mm-hmm. having teen stuff, I try to get involved as best as I can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you, you have to move on as well, um, you know, gracefully, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. and, uh, you know, go to the next stage of your life, but never stop giving. It was one of our commitments that when we stopped doing NCSY, our home is still open. People still yeah. call us all the time for advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't get paid for what I do now.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, that's, um, that's maybe a have a little bit more right. time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's a really beautiful note and, you know, obviously bittersweet, but, you know, everyone moves on for, you know, whatever they have to do. And that's just life. But it's great that you're able to kind of stay in a community. As a quick follow into that. So what has the next phase of your life been after NCSY or after, you know, you're still doing stuff on NCSY, but what do you do now with most of the time you have?
0: So I am now doing real estate development and construction. I don't know if that's the correct term for it. Mm -hmm. I help. I manage construction of rehabs of properties and, and, you know, ground up buildings, mm-hmm. usually like duplexes and triplexes around the Philadelphia area, North, Southwest, um, and anywhere in between. Um, and then we, I, I also run the management of the rental piece of it or the sale of it. Mm-hmm. So if we're selling a property or we're renting it, I'm, I'm also involved in making sure that the tenants get in, um, they pay their rent, mm-hmm. uh, you know and then you know getting them refied after the construction so really soup to nuts it's a small small company so mm-hmm. it's just me um and my boss um yeah. and we you know we uh we do that but what's fascinating is 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 my interaction with all these people that I interact with the workers mm-hmm. and the tenants and all that and i i see myself still doing the same thing <laughs> <laughs> i'm the same guy i just went to a place today um my sister's visiting and we went out and she looked at me after i was like she's like you just, you just, you just have a good time with people, you know, and and that's what it is, you know. It's it's about being positive and it's about enjoying life um, and making other people happy, no matter what you do and no matter where you are, and no matter what your job is, um, you know, is is interacting with people.
1: You know what's beautiful on that note. It's I thought of a funny joke just now. It's almost like NCSY was the best business school you could go to for for what you're doing. A million doing percent,
0: right a million percent. By the way, I say it all the time. You know, we, we, I went into this job. There's, there was no previous, like people are like, did you do real estate before? Did you construction? I said, no, mm-hmm. but I, I, I did management and I took care of who knows how many teams on a mm-hmm. regular basis, <laughs> you know, I made so, sure that they did the things that they were supposed to do
2: mm-hmm.
0: and took care of the things that they were supposed to do. You had a chapter board and they needed to get a an event put together. That's mm-hmm. what I did. I project managed mm-hmm. um, and I project managed all the time. It was definitely. I, I think you said it as a joke, but it's, I think it's one hundred percent true. It was it Was the best business school
1: ever? No, for sure. What is the learning curve? Now been I'm like? dealing with adults. No, for sure. I um, mean, everyone has their own dynamics, but uh, definitely, definitely, still the same kind of vibe. But what is the learning curve been like in kind of a more oriented business industry?
0: So it's it's if you're intuitive, mm-hmm. I think that the learning curve is not so hard. Got it. Like if you if, if you're handy then you can pick up on these things. Like I've made mistakes of like not reading the plans correctly. And now I know mm-hmm. how to read plans. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing this for less than a year and a half and I can read a full set of plans and tell you what type of sheetrock you need to use and how much insulation you need need in a building. If it's, you know, if it's a, uh, um, if it's a row home or if it's a single standing, you know, what, what, you know, what, what are all the things you need for a final inspection that an inspector is going to look at and go, you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm like that's a screw I didn't put that screw in it's like, mm-hmm. yep, that's it. you didn't do it you know and and things like that, and um if you're intuitive and you have a good eye for detail um it's a decent learning curve you know mm-hmm. I, I like I said, I definitely made mistakes when I started As we But all I do. think that yeah, but I think that that um i'm I'm worlds away mm-hmm. i can I can navigate um you know the Philadelphia license and inspections bureau. Pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully, they're not going to listen to this and and yell at me. Um, okay. <laughs> but you know, it it's uh, it was it was it, it was a fun learning experience. Got but you. I think that depends on your boss. My boss was fun and enjoyable and let me make mistakes.
1: No, so. that's awesome. <laughs> mistakes, mistakes are the best uh, are the best things to rebound off of. So definitely no shame in that. But. Do you think that the big thing, you know, this could be a bigger metaphor for society, we place a lot of emphasis on more hard skills when realistically a lot of stuff is intuition. So if we can get some kind of experience where we have to grow intuition, if that makes sense, then everything else will kind of fall into place. Does that really make sense?
0: A million percent. I, I, I'm gonna say something that, you know, if, if I was live and in front of people, I don't know if I would get away with saying it as much, but like I would be skewered. I think college is, is often a waste of time.
1: I agree. <laughs> As a four year college grad who was fortunate, right. well. I, I, like I especially agree. for a bachelor's
0: especially for a bachelor's degree, I feel like we have the opportunity to educate people about how to interact with people. And how like yeah, there might be a, a, a class on on management, mm-hmm. but probably not. You know, like we spend so much time on English and on history and on science, and we're like, I'm going to be an engineer. Teach me engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's my goal. My goal is to be an engineer. So I need four years of I don't know what. And then another four years of like maybe a little bit more focused. Like why don't we condense that, let people pick up the skills, move on with their lives. I don't know if it's society thinks that people aren't mature enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and they need to be like 22, 21, 22 in order to be able to quarter, really quarter. get a skill. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. You know, I was married at 21. So, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> if I could get married at 21, I'm pretty sure I can get a degree by 21. For sure. Um, so that that that's my hot take, by the way.
1: Not even no. I mean, I, it's a hot take, but I, one that I share with you. With I think I've had a lot of conversations with friends recently in the sense that I think college, you know, for worse, in my not so humble opinion, has become more business oriented. You know, while I know you know money is currency, and we all have to. Put food on the table, I think the issue is now, it's just become less condensed, or I don't even know if it was ever super condensed, but essentially in the sense that there's a lot of general education credits that people have to take when realistically looking back at my degree, I mean all the mandatory classes I had to take, I could have probably done in two years. Like my, my humble opinion on the area is that there should be more of a standard where undergrad, your kind of bachelor's degree is more of two years. And then for people that wanna study more advanced degrees, and they can pursue additional schooling like, but four years for undergrad just seems like such a money grab these days you know That's
0: often that's often what Israel does Israel mm-hmm. Israel actually starts you in the career path I think you there's a name for it I can't remember um, um it's slipping my mind but you take something by bak- group maybe mm-hmm. I think it's called your back route that you take them in in like 10th or 11th grade mm-hmm. and that's your career path like that that's where you start you and you start already in high school learning the things that you need like if you're not going to become an English major I'm not saying you don't need an English like education and how to write and whatever, because we all write emails. We all yeah. write, you know, we'll have to write a blurb or something. But like, we don't need to know how to write a, a, a 30-page essay. For like, sure. We just don't. You know, and, and we, we get the people where they are. But I don't know if people are in a rush to, to start life. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Like, we, in hindsight, we are. In hindsight, we like, would love to have started life. But the question is, did we want to start life when, when we had the opportunity to?
2: Definitely. I don't know.
1: I think that the big thing is that school has an issue these days where there's an issue with school that they don't really teach you the skills you need to add value to society. And also in my my not so humble opinion, I think most people, well, yeah, ideally most people, I can't speak for every career path, but typically you're compensated kind of in equivalence or in commensurate with the value that you add to society. And the issue is that that kind of that platform or you know, that objective of adding value isn't always something that's perfectly correlated with your education. So sometimes you could have someone with, with great grades, you know, but they got great grades in areas that weren't kind of life functions or areas where you could add value. So oftentimes just because someone does well, it doesn't necessarily reflect on their earning potential. I know kind of money isn't everything, but just if college is supposed to gear you towards a career, then I think a big issue right now is it doesn't teach you how to add value to society, which I think should be the main point. But no, not that I think of it, it would make too much sense to do that. So why would they do that in the first place, you know?
0: I mean, to, to piggyback on what you're saying, like I, I, I doctors and lawyers are important. For sure. But are they more important than the person that built your house? Or that made sure that the bridge doesn't fall down? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I, I, we, sure. we, we, we put a value onto things, like you have doctors that like do plastic surgery and they make billions of dollars, but like, are they adding to society?
1: Is that a necessary need? You know, and is it based off something that people no, need and, for something they think they need? And not
0: necessarily is it a necessary need, but is it is it a bigger need than than so many of the things that we have? Now, I'm not saying that someone who stocks groceries on a shelf should make the same as a doctor, mm-hmm. but we need people to stock shelves for sure. So, like, oh, oh, you get minimum wage mm-hmm. because you're not a doctor, maybe. Or you, or we all sort of make this, again, we, we we don't live in a world like this. We're talking fantasy here. Yep. But like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the pay gap should be smaller mm-hmm. than like, but again, you have to pay billions of dollars to go to medical school. That's the only reason why they get paid that much.
1: For sure. They yeah. can pay
0: back their student loans.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I think it's, it's a tough dynamic for sure. But I think, you know, when you have stuff with like lawyers, doctors, something that requires a more extensive education, I think that makes sense because I think in a way, Assuming they're doing it in a positive faith way and they're working on, you know, no one's going to agree on the definition of practical, but practical issues, uh, you know, I think it's fair to be compensated in such a way. But if you're making money off something I think that society doesn't need, but something that, you know, it it values in a superficial way, then that's something I think we all got to look at ourselves in the mirror and and try to fix for sure. million percent. Definitely. So hopefully, uh, you know, that dynamic will be better moving forward. But, you know, I don't have. When
0: we run the world, that's what's going to happen. So for sure. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't have a crystal ball. I mean, if I did have a crystal ball, I would invest in all the companies that I know are going to be like 10x in a few years on the stock market. But other than that, I would I would try to kind of make society a little better. So definitely makes sense there. But another thing that I wanted to get into, and we're seeing a lot of this, unfortunately, now, especially with what's going on in Israel. But why do you think there's been such a big rise in anti-Semitism recently?
0: Um, so there, there's the religious answer and then there's the practical answer, I guess. Mm-hmm. The religious answer is that, you know, as God sees that we are not necessarily as proud of our Judaism or connecting to our Judaism, mm-hmm. we trying to hide our Judaism. And I'm going to say this with all deference. Um, that's what happened in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it was people were like, I'm not Jewish. Mm-hmm. The Nazis are like, yes, you are. They, they they did research that people didn't do themselves. Interesting. They're like you have you have like a great 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 grandmother that's Jewish. You're Jewish. They were telling people that they were Jewish, and people are like, I haven't been Jewish in like four generations, and mm-hmm. they're like, Sorry, buddy, but your family tree says you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think that 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 God wants us to remember. You know, it's 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 you know it's it's a little bit of rebuke. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's always hard to swallow because. People are suffering and, you know, we don't want people to suffer and we don't want them to be suffering, you know, with no reason. Mm-hmm. But but if you don't have a religious reason, the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> it, you know, there, there, there's no. There, is there a reason why when the hospital blows up, everybody says it was Israel?
1: They hate us
0: because
1: they ain't us. Something
0: like that. They, they hate us. Yeah. They hate us because they ain't us. Mm-hmm. Isn't that? Isn't that? I don't even know what that's from. It's it's, from, kn- it's
1: from a funny movie, but similar, yeah, similar
0: I, point. But it's funny because I kn- no, I know exactly what you're saying, and I have the scene in my mind. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I never knew what it was from. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. It's like it, it it's very it's very hard because there you we we can't. First of all, we can't say for sure. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. Like I would love to pin one of them down and go like, but why? Like why do you actually hate me? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't hate you. You do. So you'll never get a real answer. And I think that that's where we struggle is like if you if you took each individual and said, why are you an anti-Semite? They'll either make up a mishagas about the fact that you control the world. <laughs> I'm like, But why me? I don't control the world. Do I look like I have enough money to control the world? Do mm-hmm. I look like I'm living in luxury? Like, mm-hmm. So why do you hate me? You want to hate that guy? Hate that guy. I don't want to tell you not to hate that mm-hmm. guy. To, to hate that guy. But like hate that guy. But like, mm-hmm. why me? You know, so it, you'll never get a real answer. And that's why I like to fall back on the religious answer because I think it's important, and it doesn't have to be as extreme as I said it. It just has to be like, it's always a reminder that we're Jewish, and mm-hmm. if we value what Judaism is, then that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a tough pill to swallow because it, it just means that we don't know, and no one likes to not know.
1: For sure, <laughs> I think I think the tough part is too. A lot of times in life, you can't rationalize practical situations or practical differences, and I think maybe looking at it from the religious perspective and the practical perspective, I mean, practically it sucks. You know, it's it's unfortunate to see so many of our brothers, sisters, loved ones, you know, slaughtered, you know, in cold blood and just hard, horrific circumstances. Uh but on the other, on the other end, you're saying that historically stuff has happened like this when around the world, you know, people haven't been as Jews haven't been as prideful or kind of proud about their Judaism. So you know, while it sucks practically, is there something written in the Torah in the sense that, you know, whenever people are sh- ashamed to be Jews or people are hiding their Judaism that, you know, unfortunately, we're subject to events like this.
0: So, yeah, it, there 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 are a couple spots in the Torah that it actually says that it says when you don't follow my laws and you don't mm-hmm. go my ways, um, there's going to be there's going to be, you know, trouble and mm-hmm. you're going to suffer. You're going to get kicked out of Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we look at the destruction of the two temples that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're in Israel, but we're not 100% in Israel. We're still fighting to be in Israel. You know, when they were in Israel, you
2: know, when, when
0: we we need to make sure that we're there because we're supposed to be there mm-hmm. and that we want to be there and that God wants us to be there. Um and we're we're not we're not 100% there yet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing. It's it's just when we don't follow, you know, the laws and we don't go in the way of Judaism, there are, you know, there are definitely um, you know, punishments that come from it.
1: It's unfortunate. I hope you know we can uh, we can win this war smoothly, and all the hostages will be returned. And you know, over time, Amen. people will get you know more uh, prideful about their Judaism, and even those who aren't Jewish can uh, respectfully be a little more educated regarding who the good guys are here. But that's uh, another note. Um, but on a final note, there, what do you think, or what can we Jews do right now at a time like this to really help out or really be more prideful about our Judaism?
0: I think it's about a little bit putting aside the things that make us different as Jews, because mm-hmm. if you look at Jews, we're probably the most diverse culturally for sure, like such a small group of people that are so different from mm-hmm. each other um you know, and we saw something similar in the world for sure with Covid, but you know now um it's about it's about togetherness, it's mm-hmm. about caring for each other, it's about you know hearing that something happened. Forget about, forget about like in Israel alone, but everywhere is is helpful. Thinking about others, you know, someone is in need, praying for them. You know, someone's sick, being sad, and praying for them. You know, someone needs help. You know, grocery shopping, going out and helping. It's it's the more together we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can make it political for half a second. Good. dude. you, you say- look at? I, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's true as, as much as it was when it first started. Which is always the issue is that we we go like this. And then we gradually, you know, we gradually drift back apart. Um, but I think for the first time in Israeli modern Israeli history, everybody was on the same side. They put away, all, they put aside all their differences politically, mm-hmm. and made a coalition. And it's never happened
2: mm-hmm.
0: in the history of of Israel. And that's something that we should have, you know, clung to. And then, you know, again, we see very clearly the cracks in the veneer of, of what, what, you know, Israeli politics look like cool. still yeah. um, not again, but still, you know, it was, it was a nice show at the beginning of a front of unity. And I, and I think, I think they're still benefiting from some of that unity, but they're definitely no longer in that. This is who we are. You know, we're one. No, and true. I think that, 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 I think that's what we need to do is, is and togetherness and oneness and being, being, you know, as, as connected as we can to each other. And all Jews,
1: for sure. I think a beautiful note and beautiful advice there. On another end, do you think also, you know, a lot of things, a lot of people don't really understand the power of tzedakah, or charity. Do you think that's also something people could do right now to really feel more connected to their Judaism?
0: Yeah. So we we say it um in the the Yom Kippur services and Rosh Hashanah services, mm-hmm. truva tefila tzedakah. Mm-hmm.
1: We actually just now hit
0: all three, right? Wow. We pray to God, you know, um, repent, you know, be be more religious in some sense even just prideful for your Judaism and connected to your Judaism and not trying to hide your Judaism and Sadaka. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes back to the caring for others. It's when we give from ours to somebody else, then we're saying that what I have is, is also yours. And if you need mm-hmm. it, I can help you with it. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be just the poor. It it could be it could be people that, you know, you know, in Israel they need, you know, supplies or, you know, uh there's an organization that helps you know, kids who are sick—all those different things are going to be different opportunities to give. Um, and you need to find one that resonates with you. It—I it, don't think that people should just wantonly give tzedakah. Mm-hmm. I think you have to feel it, Got because it. then you, then you're, then you're actually giving. You know, when you, you know, an envelope comes in the mail and you're like, it's not really meaningful. Mm-hmm. But if you give it to something and you know that it's going to that and you could feel prideful about it, mm-hmm. go ah. I've given to that, I've helped that organization, those soldiers, that poor family that lives in my community. That's, you know, that
1: that, that, it
0: it creates a feeling of, I wanna do it again and I wanna do more of it.
1: For sure. I think a lot of times, you know, people don't place enough emphasis. I know we've been talking a lot about tangible things and, you know, that sort of stuff, but a lot of times when you do something intangible, but it's intangibly like you do, or not that if you do something, this is how I should frame it. If you do something tangible, but then you get that intangible feeling that comes along with it. You know, if you actually give it thought, it's one thing to just kind of give charity and then being like, okay, whatever, I know where it's, it's going towards a good cause. Or when you give charity and you see the impact you it's, it's tough to describe besides an intangible feeling. It makes you understand that, you know, while there are certain ways or there are certain things we have to do, like make money or, you know, meet a family and do all those things yeah. uh, we also realize how much of a beautiful you know thing this is and we think of it more as an obligation to do and it's a really beautiful thing in general and qu- quick final note on there i think there's actually a line in the the torah you know I, i'm i don't know it perfectly so sorry i for misquoting but something like for everything that we give we get 10x back so it's almost like if we give right. and we, we don't have to worry about or kind of, we don't think of like, oh, I'm losing this, losing that. If we give within practical means, which is you know a thing in its own, but if we give kind of what we can, not worry about it. We can just be confident that in one way, right. shape, or form, uh, we'll get it back. So
0: beautiful in there. Asher, give a ten, so you'll become rich
1: for sure. That's what it is. Beautiful line there, and you know, great dialogue around that. I have a few other fun questions to get into, which I think I think you'll like answering. You ready for these? So I'm ready. Right now, you have uh, you have six kids perfectly down the line with genders: three boys, three girls. I think that's uh, something a lot of families would love to have. You thinking about having any more? <laughs> or yeah, six is enough. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna go off on the record and say we are not, but you never Ooh. know.
1: That's a that's a fair answer there. I like the the small cliffhanger there. I mean, six. If my kids, wife ever
0: watches, this is what I'm gonna have to say. So I might as well say it.
1: No, no worries. I mean, six is six is a ton. I don't think I don't think six all six is a nice. It's a nice number. I don't 100%. think i have six kids when I'm older. But I guess uh, we'll see whatever path that God lets you guys walk. I'm gonna through. laugh when you do, so it's okay. Yep, <laughs> for sure. We'll, we'll remember this. But um, on another note. You know, you worked at NCSY, and now you're working in kind of this real estate and construction role, and have been able to kind of grow a lot in your role there. If after NCSY, you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing?
0: So I, I feel like I answered that. I probably would end up being like a social worker. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I it, it,
0: it, it was something
1: that very much
0: um, was the other direction I was going to go if I wasn't offered this job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's probably where I would be.
1: Got it. Do you know what kind of social work you'd be doing?
0: Probably teens. Got it. Okay. And probably, it's like, probably very similar, like, you almost wouldn't be able to tell the difference. That That's probably what would have ended up happening. would have been funny. Yep. Like okay. I would have left one job and gone right into the same job somewhere
1: else. Uh, transferable skills, So we'll, we'll leave it at exactly. that. Exactly. But... Hey,
0: um, who needs college?
1: For sure. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, on another note, you say kind of after that, that big event that happened in your life, you picked up a few new hobbies. So which of those is your favorite?
0: So my favorite is, is, is biking, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that that I started biking, but I, I think I mentioned it very quickly. It actually ties into, um, you know, uh, a shameless plug for, I, I I do something called Bike for Chai, mm-hmm. um, which is, um, it's a two day ride. We bike about 160 miles over two days. Wow. Um, and we raise funds for this um, organization called Chai Lifeline, which is an organization that helps kids with all disabilities and stuff like that, cancer and, you know, what not. And one of the things that they do is at the very end of the ride, mm-hmm. we bike into, they have a camp that they run in the summer. It's called Camp Simcha. We actually bike into camp. And it's it's probably one of the most, like you talked about a tangible, like an intangible feeling. Because you can only walk away with it. You, you, I didn't walk away with anything like solid. Mm-hmm. But I walked away with this intangible feeling of like, this is, this is who I'm helping.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: These kids that, you know, some can't afford it. Some, you know, the medical bills are astronomical and you, you bike into camp and it's, it's such a euphoric feel. It like music and dancing. It's, it's probably one of the most amazing feelings I've had. So that, that is coupled with my, 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 my want for biking. Um, I love it. I don't know if you could see my bike is in the background. Yep, this I is do. my the blue bike that that's my stationary bike. Um, Got it's connected it. to Zwift. Um, you know, you try to bike even in the winter when it's cold outside. Um, also, very heart healthy. That's good cardio. No, for sure. um, that's definitely a Um I've, I started running a little bit, a little bit more. Also, mm-hmm. I never used to run. Um, I bake. Mm-hmm. People would not know that. Um, I baked um, French macarons. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have some really good pictures of them. Got I'll it. have to send them your way. I, I but um, that. interesting. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of it came out of like COVID. COVID brought out a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. And gave me an ability. I actually just started a, a new hobby, mm-hmm. um, writing, um, Safras. The, the writing of the Torah, the letters. Um, that's actually something that I picked up. I just started about a month ago.
1: Got it. Interesting. So we'll see. I guess we all have our hidden hobbies and talents. Uh, yeah, you know, for I sure. I run. I think twice a week. So yesterday was my my uh, my second cardio day. Actually, the just on a personal note. So maybe I'll have to come down to LM one time in warmer weather, and uh, we can we can do a, a run together. Hundred percent. Yeah. Ap- yeah. And then after. For sure. And then afterward, get some nice kosher pizza and feel a little less guilty about herself. Either that or we'd
0: go to Judah's. I'm pretty sure that's the only place we're allowed to eat.
1: That too, yeah. we'll (laughs) uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. But interesting note on there, you know, another follow-up kind of regarding your life and a lot of the things that you've been up to and what you're doing now. Reflecting back, is there something that you wish you knew when you were younger that you think would really help you out today?
2: Ooh. (sighs) Ah. Other than stock tips, mm. ideally, yeah. Like I,
0: I think that that was where I was going. It was like <laughs> how to make more money quickly. Um, you know that that life, I, it it's not something that I wish I knew. It's it's something that I'm happy that I I have now. I guess it's a little bit different,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but like that life, like I I I guess I'm talking to young. Life is rewarding, mm-hmm. and and the things that you do in your life are rewarding, and don't take the life that you have for granted. I think that that's like. I think i I don't know if I would have enjoyed the beginning of my life better if I would have known that, but I think I would have mm-hmm. that like you know we talked about hardships and things that happen and coming through our lives and change us um you know, like I wish I had all that knowledge, like the knowledge that I have now, mm-hmm. then like I wish i would I would have started life, which again makes what we do moot because our whole goal in life is to become better mm-hmm. and to grow as people if I had all that knowledge, then what would I be doing now? I would have a whole new mess of knowledge that I wish I would have known. and would have been a, a vicious cycle. Yep. So.
1: Sure. so more, more wholesome knowledge it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. Fair note. And,
0: Besides stock tips, uh, stock tips are given.
1: Yeah. Stock tips for sure. I would have, would have invested in Google and the the seat around or Facebook. Exactly. So I just exactly. there. Uh, another fun note. Do you have a dream dinner guest?
0: A dream dinner guest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm like trying to think, like,
1: I've, you know what it
0: is? I think I've had so many different people in my house. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's exciting. All those people, like, would it be cool if, like, somebody else showed up? Mm-hmm. Probably. But because I've had such a, a unique swath of people mm-hmm. that have sat at my table, teens, adults, family, I, I don't know if anybody would come to mind. Like, yeah, we've all loved, like, you know, we'd all love for, like, you know, Elon Musk to come to our house because that means we're friends with him. Yep. So that means we'd have his money, you know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> I don't think it would it would be very not altruistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like anybody that I want to have is because that means we're friends. And if we're friends that means like, you know, I get to go to his beach house. Yep. You know. But uh no, you, you were enough.
1: Yeah fair enough you were
0: you were my ideal dinner guest how I about feel
1: that? that maybe I'll have, to, I'll have to come by for shabbat now that you mentioned that See, now but you feel guilty yeah See, no, it works yeah let's say you know you're a good social worker when you <laughs> can guilt people into to action to making them do something that's there you a go really good skill but it sounds like you've been able to have or have the impact that you've wanted to and kind of the only other dinner guests you would have would be for you know for uh for better all for like for better kind of less altruistic reasons, more because you know you've done, you feel like yeah. you've had dinner and had the impact that as much as you could, basically. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. a fair note there. Yeah. What would you say? <laughs> brings, what would you say brings you the most happiness in life? My children. Mm-hmm. I know that that's a very cop-outy answer, that,
0: but it really is.
1: People give a very familial answer typically, so no reason on that. But I think that's yeah, good.
0: It, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> even even when I when I you know. Uh, my, my, uh, who who said this line? My wife quotes this all the time, but we say it all the time, is that grandchildren are God's rewards for not giving your own.
1: <laughs> I think it's, so, a, it's a funny line there.
0: And that's what it is, is our children, our children are probably our biggest angst mm-hmm. and our biggest, like, joy in life. Got it. And they, they play that role all the time. You I, love them and you hate them at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting challenge. Probably tougher than any corporate job we can have. You know, it's a pleasure I haven't experienced yet, and a pleasure that I don't. There's a lot more at stake. Definitely, yeah. I mean, something that I haven't experienced yet, but something I plan on experiencing in the the relatively medium term. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it that way to uh, to kind of frame that. But uh, it's okay because a lot of people give that. No dating app
0: that you could look at.
1: Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that off air for sure. But basically, (laughs) um, you know, it's something that a lot of guests or a question that I've started asking recently, or not even recently, but a question I've been framing kind of differently. A little recently, a lot of people get that answer because I think the beautiful thing it shows is that while it's nice to have great things and it's nice to have great means, a lot of times we're more like we appreciate more the people around us. So. I think at the end Correct. of the day, it tries to get people more toward value the relationships and only all of our differences and stuff happens. We should do our best to, to enjoy what we can because you never really know uh, what life will bring. So beautiful that you get the joy out of there. Uh, and on a parting note, Rabbi, you know, you've done a lot of really cool work and have built up this great kind of young Jewish community and are still kind of involved in it. Yet you've moved on to kind of something else in your life and are, you know, leaving a lasting impact there. Even though you just started, I'm confident, you know, you're going to grow and your impact will definitely... Be very positive and you know help a lot of people out, but at the end of your life, at the end of it all, what do you want to be remembered for?
2: Uh, that that i that I helped people and that and that people grew from their
0: relationship with me that it wasn't that the relationships I had with people wasn't for nothing mm-hmm. and that and that there are better people in the world because mm-hmm. of me. That's, That's what a, I would say.
1: So it's, it's a beautiful uh, parting note, Rabbi. And it has been an absolute pleasure. I can't can't believe we've already chatted for an hour and a half. Uh, it's been awesome. Yeah, this is great. Really appreciate you taking the time, Rabbi. And we should know, not
0: talk for six years again. That way we can.
1: Yeah, you can be on number, <laughs> number 600 at that point. But Rabbi, it's been an absolute blast and really appreciate you taking the time to go on the show.
0: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to my conversation with Rabbi Yitzlevi. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show on Spotify, drop a comment on YouTube, and subscribe.